gutless, spineless, embarrassing. Just some of the words used by Burnley fans in the past 24 hours to describe the team's abject performance in Saturday's 5-0 defeat at Turf Moor to Arsenal. We've got used to talking about home defeats this season on this podcast. We've had just one win at the Turf this year after all, and no one will be shocked by a heavy loss to one of the title contenders. But there was something different about the way Burnley fans reacted to this latest performance. Fans walked out early, there were boos at the end, and online the frustrations of the season came pouring out, with some even calling for the head of manager Vincent Company. Is Company to blame for this story, sorry state of affairs though, or do others share the responsibility? And where did the club go from here? We'll discuss all that and much more on this episode of From the B.O.L. End. So welcome to From the Be All End. I'm Simon Evans, and with me is uh, a full squad, a full squad, and we've got Andrew Greaves, we've got Justin Connolly, Paul Woodhouse, and Chris Borden, who hopefully is not joining us from uh, Outer Mongolia on this uh, version. <laughs> um, let's start off with the with the lads who were at the turf uh, yesterday, because um, you know the the mood and the the atmosphere and, and how it all went uh, needs that perspective from people who were there rather than those of us watching it on television. Justin, I mean, yeah. it did feel different from the other defeats, didn't it, in some way? Um, it certainly did. I mean, the the response from the crowd was pretty apathetic, I would say. You know, the there's a, there's a real sense, I think, that people sort of really expect uh, a defeat. They expect lots, lots of goals to go in, and, and there's not even a lot of... I've talked about this before. There doesn't seem to be a whole lot of anger. Um, it, it's a really strange, really strange sort of experience being there. I was trying to sort of, I was trying to sort of describe the performance to somebody who hadn't seen it on TV, and the best I could come up with was it was a bit like watching Arsenal play a team of elderly sheep who were just sort of wandering about aimlessly, um, and. Just, just doing the best to try and try and you know keep out of Arsenal's way as best they could. I, I, and and in fact, I was I was really struggling to come up with a, a sort of idea of what the actual plan was. You know what what they were trying to do, what they what the what they've been working on in training all week. And it just seemed to me that that was it. That they were trying to get out of Arsenal's way and just let them do what they wanted. Um, it was embarrassing. It was really really disappointing after. I mean, we've been I don't, uh, last week. We were a bit more enthusiastic after the Liverpool performance, and uh, I, I think we went into this game more with a bit of hope. You know, I, I I did think that you know we would struggle to get anything out of the game, but to to lose to lose like that is a disgrace, really, isn't it? To put in that level of performance is a disgrace. We were so far off the level required, not just 
in terms of the quality that we had on the pitch, but in terms of the application. And that's what's unforgivable. You know, we've got to match teams like Arsenal for all those other elements of the games where we're not better than them. And we didn't come anywhere near it on Saturday, anywhere near it. And I, I can't tell you what happened in the second half because I spent, well, I spent most of the time staring at the floor, shaking my head. Yeah, greasy. I mean, that's it really, isn't it? It's not so much that we know that, you know, in terms of the quality, we're, we're not on a level with Arsenal. But it, it's it's the effort and the and the application as Justin put it. That's what people seem to have found unforgivable about yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, you know, Arsenal spanked West Ham, you know, the week before. We were all thinking, well, they've got it out of the way. You know, they'll turn teams over. They're a brilliant side. I think, you know, if if teams continue, you know, City continue to drop the odd point here and there, then Arsenal could end up winning it. But as Justin said, it, the one thing you cannot forgive is any player going out in a Burnley shirt, any Burnley team being put out and just not just not doing the basics. And that basics is hard work, you know. And I was so pissed off when I watched Josh Brownhill's um, interview today where he's talking about, well, we know we weren't at it. Well, that don't cut the mustard with me, son, I'm afraid. You've got to be at it. You get paid mm. a hell of a lot of money to be at it. And we have these, you know, we have this kind of, it's all about the mentality. It's about the mentality. You know, the mentality is we've got to take us chances. Every week, Vincent comes out and talks about the mentality. There is no fucking mentality at all. Whatever the mentality is, it is not a winning mentality. It's not even a competing mentality. There is, you know, you can forgive a lack of quality. You absolutely can. You know, I don't I don't mind. Yeah. You know, I'm used to it. What you cannot forgive is players turning into ghosts and, you know, twatting around the field like they're on a jolly on mm. a Saturday in the pissing rain and not getting close to even putting a foot in on players. I mean, I don't think Declan Rice will have an easier game in his career. You know, mm. I don't think Odegaard will have an easier game in his career. I don't think, you know, Ben White, who I am not a fan of, I don't think Ben White's that good a footballer and, you know, people will come at me, but... He will not have an easier game, you know. David mm. Ray might as well have been sat in the cricket field stand. He won't have an easier game. And within four minutes, we're 1-0 down because somebody's not picked Odegaard up on the edge of the box. Odegaard has time to set his body, to take a touch, work out where he's going to put it and angle it into the far corner. Yeah, I just... It is so disappointing that, mm. you know, we hear this dribble. I know managers, you know, Vinny came out and said, you know, it turns out this is probably best to say less. It's not. It's best to call it out for what it was, which is a bullshit performance by a bullshit group yeah. of players who I have lost patience with. Hmm. Yeah, and I mean, positive one, don't forget. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> no, 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 absolutely. I mean, Chris, I mean, I just we just watched Luton Town going against Manchester United and hmm. giving it absolutely everything after a dreadful start, a Burnley style start, really. And then coming back, getting a goal, battling away until until you know right until the final whistle, and and watching it on American television, you know the NBC pundits. The first point they made in their post game analysis was compare that, you know, contrast that with what we saw from Vincent Company's Burnley yesterday. I mean, it's it's light years, isn't it? It's chalk and cheese. I mean, it's a different it's a different way of playing. It's a different uh, different group of players. But like that crazy said, the other the the other. The minimum you expect is a bit of fight, a, you know, a bit of heart, a bit of you know, 
it's got to hurt. I don't see that at all. You know, it doesn't hurt. The only player I saw any hurt in was Jay Rodriguez. And it's mm. I mean, even when uh, you know you look at the you know the, the Brian Laws, you know, probably had a bit of an impossible job. You know, the team he took over and it just it, I mean that was you know destined to fail and it did fail. But I think there was a there was hurt there in that group, and that's you know that's Burnley's probably the, you know the worst performance we've had in a Premier League season, and they're probably mm. going to accrue twice as many points as this lot. Which said, you know, at times that season, you know, you the centre backs of, you know, uh, Leon Court, Clark Carlisle, and they're going to accrue probably twice as many points. They won four, the first four games of the season under Kyle at home. We've not won four games yet. Hmm. It's it's pathetic. It's embarrassing. It's it's just a like I say, really, they, they squandered. Time last year, we were crowing, not only about winning every other week, you know, not losing many games, but uh, I think I, wrote, I think it was, I think it was Steve Eyre on uh, Radio Lancashire, and he was he was basically saying that this this you know this this team and, and, and Vincent Company they're producing football that's so far ahead of its time. I'm not, I wasn't I wasn't one of those expecting Burnley to waltz into the Premier League and. You know, finishing the top half. I, I was just, you know, seventeenth and above. You know, the, let's just just try and consolidate, go from there. But like, from 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 within three or four minutes of the opening night, giving away. You know, teams haven't had to work hard enough, anywhere near hard enough to score goals. You know, the space that the you know Rice is in, that Martinelli's in, that Odegaard's in, to score that opening goal is is just ridiculous. Uh, so I've seen a few, you know, freeze frames that uh, I think you put up, Simon, on, on, on Twitter. You know, you, there's three Arsenal players at the back post, spare, on every corner kick, and every wide free kick. You know, a bit of zonal marking, bit of man-to-man marking, a complete and utter mishmash, and we, we, you know, it, it's just a shambles. Not point, not not goals. You know, they're expected goals, but you know, not even laying a glove on teams. You know, like let's say Sean's teams. You know, they they, they did cause upsets. They, you know, they, I mean, basically they beat all the top six. You know, we, we celebrated wins home and away against the big six, and this lot haven't even got close to laying a glove on. It, it's just been a write-off from day one. And I'd say I, I don't see the project. I don't see the process. I've no idea. I expect another overhaul in players in the summer, and we're starting from square one for me. It's it's just been an absolute shambles. Yeah, no, it's 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 grim, isn't it? I mean, Woody, I was just talking to somebody then who said, you know, comparing the way that Luton play as well, and said Burnley play like robots who've been badly programmed. That mm-hmm. they're so obsessed with the way of playing mm-hmm. that. You know, you, you see the top teams and Arsenal, did it, and we we saw we saw Spurs do it against us, where they will go long sometimes. They will try and uh, and play, but it's so slow. I mean, we, it was slow last year in Championship, but I I, I I don't know. Last year, maybe teams we've talked about it. Chris mentioned this a few times that they maybe treated us with more respect than we deserved last year because they were we were playing this Manchester City football or trying to. But it does feel like the play. I mean, I guess my point, Woody, is. It, 
are we blaming the players here for not being good enough or are they being put in a situation where they can't succeed? It's got to be a bit of both, hasn't it? It's got to be, everybody's got to be, you've got to lay the blame amongst everyone, to be fair, but they play like strangers. They play like a load of blokes who are trying to remember what they've been doing in training, etc., but either don't have the confidence nor the ability to be able to replicate that for long enough periods during 90 minutes. You know, and it's like, it's, it's, it's just abject week after week. We try and give them a little bit of a boost and think, well, maybe, maybe this week we've seen them turn a little bit of a corner and then we throw something like that shit into the mix. And it's like, there are sides that have come to Burnley this year and all they had to do was sit back and it didn't really matter because they knew we were going to fuck something up at some point and they'd walk away 2-1, 3-1 winners, etc. Arsenal came and they absolutely battered us from the word go. They knew, they knew when to press, where to press, how to press, and it could have been 7, 8, 9, 10. It didn't really matter. And we just stood around looking like we're passengers and that it was a completely different game that they were playing as opposed to us. And I think the blame has to... We have to look at what where the blame lies from recruitment uh, through to management, through to uh, Pace and his cronies, etc. Who is to blame and what has fallen to pieces this year and why has it happened? Because it's going to be one uh, one hell of a hard job trying to rectify this um, over the coming summer season. Yeah, I mean, we'll look ahead in a bit, a bit to it. But I mean, I don't, I don't know, I don't know. You know, in terms of, you've seen people already starting to say, you know, company out. Um, for me, that's a non-starter because you know his contract's until twenty twenty-eight, isn't it? You know, mm. he's he's got another four years left. Presume we don't know his exact salary, but presumably he's on at least as much as Sean Dyche was on. So, you know, you're looking at somewhere around 20 million if you want to uh, jettison the company project. And then you're left with a load of players who apparently have signed for him, although I'm sure some of them by now would, would, would welcome a change of coach. You would imagine that uh, some of those who've been, you know, cast aside and left aside. Let's listen, though, to what company actually had to say about that game because he said a couple of interesting things we need to discuss. So let's just... Uh, Greavesy, can you just roll that audio? Vincent, even allowing for the quality of the um, opposition today, uh, how disappointed are you with that performance? I just said it, but I think sometimes in a situation like this, you know, to, to speak less is better. We, um, we know it wasn't good. And um, we have a week now to, um, to work and, 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 you know, Put to show what we, what who we, who we want to show we are. You know, uh, the the Crystal Palace game is a massive game. We can keep dwelling on this game, but um, we we can't let it define us. How do you lift the squad? How damaging could that be to confidence for your players? No, I I, I know that these type of games are um, are difficult one that you have to take on the chin. But as well as characters, as professionals, you you have to also pick yourself back up, and you have to be able with, to deal with these moments. It's uh, it's part and parcel of being in this industry, and um, and you know that won't change wherever you are. Do you look at your own decisions after games like that? Do you self-analyze and think what you might have done differently, either selection or tactics or whatever? That's every game. That's always a doesn't matter if we win or lose. It's 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 that's a natural process. I mean, the biggest thing for me now is. Um, and, and and that experience I do have is that 
you can dwell about the, the details on a game like this, but it's not about that. It's got to be about the basics, and, and that's what you, you need to get right before the next game. It's been right for many, for, for you know, we've had individual mistakes that, that cost us goals. We've had results that haven't gone our way, but but our basics were right, and, and, and today that's, that's what we have to focus on uh, living towards the next game. Manuel Benson's on the bench today. He's not used. He's not been given much game time this this season. Some of the fans have seen what he could do last year. It, it, you know, what could you say to them about why he's not getting much of a go? I'm I'm trying not to focus too much on the individual side of things at the moment. We we really have to put the collective first. And and I know, I know as well that, you know, we can we can. I mean, there's a lot of players playing who played last season. You know, there's a lot. Everybody's had a an opportunity to. Um, to, to show themselves at this level, the truth is, it's a it's a level it's a level above what any it's a level above above any other league in the world, and um, some players adapt quickly, some players take a, take a little bit more time. But the biggest thing for me now is I'm just focused on the on the collective. That's the only thing we need right now. Just finally from me, then the, the games are ticking away now, aren't they? And yeah. you really need to start winning quickly soon. Yeah, no, it's. Um, it's a fair assessment, but the 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 winning doesn't happen if you don't have the belief. So that's it's a big it's a big um, it's a big point we we want to emphasize for us. So a few things there that company company coming up with. I mean, he's saying he's saying that the basics were there have, have been there in recent weeks and they weren't. He's saying, but uh, well, I mean, you've got to respond to what he's saying there about Manuel Benson. He says there's a lot of players played who played last season. Well, there were one on the field yesterday, Josh Brownhill. I don't think there was anyone else in that starting eleven who was part of last year's team. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. I don't think there were. And mm. he says everyone has had an opportunity. Well, I don't think Manuel Benson's had much of an opportunity. I don't think Zorori's had much of an opportunity. Um, hey, John, John to start, Simon. Yeah. He was saying, in the, bearing in mind that Matt Lawton was completely disregarded last season until you know they got him off the books and he went to uh to Huddersfield Town to see out the season. Matt Lawton played more minutes in the league last season than Manuel Benson has in the league this season. <laughs> yeah. Says it all. I mean what he's not, just he's not the... had a chance to fail, has he? You know Zerori hadn't had the chance to fail. Murich hadn't had the chance to fail. No. I mean, what did you make of a company's reactions there, Justin? I mean, well, I, I mean, the, apart from anything else, that what he said there is just not true, is it? <laughs> it's just nonsense. Uh, th- there are a lot of players who played last season who haven't who haven't had a chance to show what they can do. Um, I mean, there's quite a few players who they've signed in the summer who haven't had a chance to show what they can do as well. Um, I, I just think, I think, I think. Company used to be quite sort of open and and quite sort of thoughtful in his press conferences before games, yeah, and after games. I think he's been coached a little bit to sort of not say as much as he used to. Um, this is why we don't find out that, that players have had surgery until you know <laughs> a few days after it's, it's actually happened, and we didn't even know they were injured. You know, I think he's been coached a little bit to to. Um, to reduce the amount of information he gives away, I don't know why. I don't know why they've taken that that decision. Maybe they think they're they're you know keeping the information away from the opposition in some way. Uh, but that's just a really weird response, isn't it, to say that because it's it's demonstrably untrue. So why would he say it? 
the other thing I thought as well that was a bit odd was how um, how he reckons that performance was down to like not getting the basics right. And that, you know, we've got a week before the next game to start getting the basics right. I mean, if we're not getting them right by now, I don't think another week is going to make much of a difference, is it? So what? What? Why? Why say that? Why just come out with that kind of nonsense? It's just maybe, you know. Sometimes you see these managers; they, they sort of get when they get under a little bit of pressure, they start uh, behaving a bit <laughs> erratically, don't they? And maybe he's just was, you know, you're put on the spot there, aren't you? You've got to say something. Um, yeah. And when it's when it's as difficult a situation as that is. You know, you you might well come out with that kind of nonsense, but most of what he said was just absolute bullshit, wasn't it? Let's be honest. I mean, Greavesy, from a from a journalistic point of view, it was quite interesting that interview because of two questions that he's had, he gets a lot of soft questions, doesn't he, Vincent mm-hmm. Company? And he has done all the way through his time because of his the respect for him as a player and a man and everything. It's pretty soft ball, you know. And there were two questions where he seemed to sort of bristle there. One was the Benson one. And the other one was was the the do you look at yourself, you know, which was a sort of very soft way of sort of saying, are you under a bit of pressure here, really, wasn't it? As introducing that in, but is he under pressure though? I mean, the interviews, Justin's right, they, they don't tell us that much, but is he under pressure now? Do you think? No, and I think that's the problem. I did I did drop Gary uh, Gary the interviewer a message saying I, I think you don't think you'll be in Vincent's good books by putting him on the spot over Benson. And he said, well, look, you know, when results are bad, you've got to ask difficult questions. Absolutely, and he, mm-hmm. and he hasn't been asked difficult questions. And and the point I made to to Gaz is, you know, part of the problem is there is no scrutiny. You know, he is the most beautiful girl in the world that we're lucky to date and we, you know, we want to marry him, but he's never going to marry us because there's always going to be something bigger and better. They're Alan Pace's words. Very bizarre, but they were Alan Pace's words. So there's no <laughs> there's no scrutiny because everybody at that football club is in complete awe of Vincent Company. So there is no internal scrutiny at all. I can't imagine him, you know, I can't imagine the board... You know, when he when he turns up at the board meetings, kind of, you know, they'll ask him, of course they'll ask him about results and, you know, but he'll be able to spin that in whatever way, you know, it's the project, you know, this is what you signed me for, this is what you wanted me, we're ahead of the game and all this lot. And I'm, I'm kind of beginning to think that the, you know, the three-year plan has kind of been retrospectively kind of manufactured to make us think that we're ahead of where we are. You know, I'm not saying it wasn't a three-year plan, and but I, I, I don't know. There's kind of, you know, we're starting to get that kind of. Well, it's a three-year plan, and we're ahead of it. We got into the Premier League after one year, so if we're back in the Premier League in year three, then we'll have, you know, the plans on on track, kind of thing. So, um, but no, no real internal scrutiny. And the, the thing you've got to remember as well is for someone like Gary, you know, he's a Burnley fan. You know, when Chris covered Burnley Football Club, he's a Burnley fan. You know, when I covered Burnley Football Club, I'm a Burnley fan. You know, you you, you do want answers. You know, when, when things are as bad as they were on Saturday, you do want answers. And it is the manager's job. And he can bristle all he wants at being asked about Manuel Benson. But, I mean, Manuel Benson must be power shite in training to not get on. You know, having spent 100 million quid or whatever it is, you know, I'm sure the, the Clarets crew will will tell us exactly to the penny the, uh, the agreed transfer figure. <laughs> But how have we spent that amount of money and we're still bringing on Jay Rodriguez? We're still bringing on Johan Berg Goodmanson. We're still bringing on 
Charlie Taylor. Do you know what I mean? There's there's definitely some. Probably should there. be starting them to be honest. <laughs> but you know what I mean. In terms of like you know, if we are going to talk about the project, um, I, I, I did try and work this out, and I was a bit drunk when I was. Uh, out last night, but I was talking to Gracie, who, uh, a few listeners will know Gracie, Accrington Clarets, and, um, you know, uh, known around the turf is Gracie. And he was saying, there's like nearly a thousand Premier League appearances on that bench, somewhere between 700 and a thousand Premier League appearances on that bench yesterday with Taylor, with Corky, with Johan Berg Goodmanson, with Jay. Mm. That is what you. This is what we needed, you know. And I, again, you know, I, I don't like keep banging on about Luton, but you can look elsewhere. What what have Brighton always had? They've always had a Lalana, a Milner, a Welbeck. You know, Brentford have got a Ben Me. We've got a load of kids who it's unfair on them for us to keep, you know, putting them out like lambs to the slaughter. When actually you need that glue just to knit everything together. We've said it a few times. I think we were probably all in agreement that we'd have probably given Barnsley another year just for that pure grabbing people by the scruff of the neck and saying, this is what it means. This is what it means to be in the Premier League. You know, I'm going to say something that most people won't agree with. You know, I actually don't. I mean, everyone fawns over Wilson Audebart. Apart from flashes, he has not done anything for me. Really? You know, anonymous again for most of yesterday. A couple of good runs. I'm not saying he's a bad player. He will be a good player. But is it fair to keep putting him out there, putting him out there, putting him out there, setting him up to fail that? We're doing with Trafford. You know, we're doing it with with everybody. You know, we did say give give the new signings three games and they'll be as shite as the rest of them. E. Steve looked like a pub player. He looked like he'd never... He he looked shell-shocked. And he was knacking after 35 minutes. It's a big step. All of these are huge steps from the bottom end of the French League to the bottom end of the Premier League is a huge step up. Absolutely. But you need them players. Like, why don't you play a cork? Play midfield three. There's an arrogance to think that you can play a number 10 against Arsenal and just have Josh Brownell and Sander Berger. I've started calling Josh Brownell the fucking ghost. <laughs> half the time, you can't see him. Honestly, he's just, he's winding me up. He's winding me up, Simon. I'm just... Fuck. Yeah, well, there's a few of them. But I, I kind of agree with you about Odebar in the sense that he's got that run. His head gets down and he's running at them and he can beat a man. And that's exciting. Collie Osho had that as well. There's not a lot else that we've seen from him, though, no. is there, really, no. apart from that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's... You know, the, the, the project, we have to talk about the project. I know it's big picture stuff, but... You know, you look at you look at the championship now, and you see Leicester City and Leeds United look like they've got a good chance of, of returning to the Premier League. Does anyone think for one minute they're going to abandon those teams that have got them promoted and go out and sign a load of unknown young players from from various parts of Europe? And and the bizarre thing is, I went back and looked at uh, my notes, should we say, from a, a chat I had with Alan Pace before he bought Burnley when he was outlining his plans for the club. And the plans for the club were very focused on academy, English players. We need to take advantage of our catchment area of being close to Man United, Man City and Liverpool and pick up young English talent, the Dwight McNeil model, if you like, pick up young English talent from these academies who've been not given a chance at City or United at Liverpool, bring them in, work with them, improve them, 
succeed with them and then sell them on at a profit. That that was the ALK model when they came in the door. He was very clear in, in, in that chat when I went back and, and looked at it. And yet, after a year, they go and do completely the opposite and go and buy players <laughs> from all over Europe. I mean, Woody, I mean, is, is this... You, you, you said this a couple of weeks, Vince. The players have been set up to fail, but this this project itself, the whole idea of what we've tried to do this season, it looks now completely mad, doesn't it? Oh, it's bollocks. <laughs> it's some kind of 1984 doublespeak to cover off on the, th- the fact that they think that they've got a fucking plan, which you quite patently haven't. The project wasn't, let's go up in his first season, get rid of everybody that actually got us up or not play everybody that got us up and then the season after go back to the championship and rebuild again. Is that a fucking project? No, that's fucking winging it. That's what that is. And the sooner we realise and work that out, the, the better we'll be moving forwards in trying to sort this shit out. It's, it's just ridiculous. And time will tell, and we won't need that much 2020 vision to work out in a few weeks or a couple of months exactly where things have been going slightly awry, etc. It's It's bollocks as far as I'm concerned. Tell us what the project is. Somebody tell us what the project is, because I don't know what it is, you know? Mm. I think yeah. there'll be PhDs written in future years on the, uh, <laughs> the, the Burnley Premier League 23-24 experiment. Yeah. It, is, it, it feels like something that you would write an academic paper on. <laughs> In terms of, just to try modern approach to recruitment <laughs> yeah yeah it's just just kind of the more i think about it the more it just feels like i don't know you you are right it's kind of i get that there's a project and i get the big picture is buy cheap sell big but as matt williams pointed out on radio lancashire the transfer fees we're paying are not cheap you know when you're paying a again insert, you know, insert fact check here, 15, 18 million for Amdouni. Well, you've got to make a lot of money <laughs> on, on Amdouni to get that back. When you're paying, you know, 57 and a half million or whatever we paid for James Trafford, um, you're having to pay, you know, you're having <laughs> to sell even bigger, you know. So we're not even, we've that kind of abandoned the picking up these players cheap. Who, you know... I think uh, Kolyosho is the only one really that we've picked up properly for for cheap this summer. You know, even Odebar, eight, nine million euros or whatever it was. You know, so we're not even going down there picking up hidden gems that are, you know. So there's a feeling, I think, that we've paid this money for these players, so we've got to play them. Yeah, that's the only To be fair, there's a lot of people raving about Dougie Friedman at Palace for spotting Wharton and paying 20-odd million quid for Wharton. him at Blackburn Rovers. Very, very good player. He's only played championship football and England under-20 football. Not even for under-21s yet. No. Very, mm-hmm. very, very gifted player. And no doubt he'll show us that on the, at the weekend. But if that's being acclaimed as a bargain, 15 quid, you know, it's just... This is where we're at, and everyone sort of say I've no issue at all in like, oh, we need to follow the Brighton model and unearth players and move them on, and follow the Brighton, the Brentford model, and you know the money ball sort of thing. But which is fine. Like Greasy said, Brighton had always had a, a, a Lalana or a Milner or someone like that, and Brentford have been, you know, they've they've they've, they've, they've been direct, they've been aggressive, they've used Tony, you know, it, it, you know, physically been superb. 
and we've just dismantled all of that. We've just put a team out there. But let's throw out this team of, it's not even a team, let's throw out this collection of individuals that we think we can make a few quid on without any thought of how to meld them into a collective. And we've dismantled the most exciting Burnley side in living memory to, to do this. It's just absolutely perplexing. Brighton, let's say, like, they went up with Chris Hewton. They didn't go up playing, you know, this this beautiful football from the future. And, you know, Deserby getting linked with the Liverpool job, etc. You know, they, they went up, they were pragmatic. They stayed up, they built. They started spotting these stars, you know, the McAllisters and the Caicedos and people like that. Because they dropped a lot on a lot of garbage early on, Brighton, if you remember. I can't remember the lads now. They signed a, a forward from uh, from Holland for about seventeen million that disappeared without trace. An Iranian winger, likewise. They got a lot wrong, but stayed in the league. You know, with your Solly marches and all this, you know, this type of player. Brentford the same. You know, they spent an awful lot of money. You know, they signed the lad, they signed Janssen from Leeds at centre half, and signed the lad from the centre half from Celtic. And they're relying on Pinnock, who's come from non-league. And a freebie in Ben Me, and, and you know things things like that. We, we've just like why is why is Jack Cork? You know he's either sat on the, in the stand or on the bench. And you're looking at that. You know talking about winning the league at Ewood. We're co- getting completely dominated in that game by Adam Wharton. Brings on Jack Cork, different kettle of fish. Don't tell me Jack Cork could play in this midfield with Berger and a n other. You know, like a three man midfield. Corky knows how to look after a football and keep it, uh, you know, keep it moving in the Premier League. He might, you know, he's 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 getting to the end. You know, no no no, uh, no secret there. But don't tell me he's just been completely jettisoned. <laughs> and we say so we all Charlie Taylor's playing out of necessity. You know, probably about fifth choice left back at the start of the season and things like that. It's just madness. Mm. I think somebody again, uh, somebody made a point. I mean, you mentioned Deserby, and and you know, uh, it's probably a good point actually. But uh, David Whitney on Twitter mentioned, you know, he, he put a post out saying, compare the way Deserby's treated Verbruggen with how we've treated Trafford. I mean, Verbruggen's only played ten Premier League, only made ten Premier League starts, and I do think it's that kind of. At some point, I made the point in reply to him. At some point. You know, every a good coach will plan a young player's development for the good of that player and for the good of the team and the club. Yeah. And I think we're actually, I think this, you know, I think it's negligence to the, the what we've done with James Trafford. You know, I get it. You know, I, I get the fact that we paid whatever we paid for him and, you know, he's a shiny new toy and Vincent wants to play him. But it would have been better to pick and choose the games that you play Trafford in. I mean, how old's Trafford? 20? 21? Not even 21 yet. So there's no need need for him to play at this level week in, week out. Because he, you know, he he will play at this level probably for the rest of his career. I I do think he'll be, uh, you know, I think he'll develop into a really good goalkeeper. How many goalkeepers are world beaters at that age? Very few of them. You know, even even less of them that have only played League One football and haven't played Championship football or haven't played in one of the foreign leagues. And I just thought it was a really good point from David about Deserbe and the way he's treated Verbruggen and what they'll end up getting. You know, Verbruggen's development will be light years ahead of Trafford because 
he's been used and he's been poor at times and he's made mistakes and he's conceded a hatful of goals on occasion. But actually, when you're looking at it, you know, I, again, and it could be that inexperience of, of, you know, the management team and the coaching team that we've got. But I just thought it's such a good point in terms of, you know, projects and all this lot. There's no need for a 19-year-old goalkeeper to, to be starting. your starting goalkeeper in the Premier League. You to dip him in and out. I mean, we're going back a while now, but because I always remember speaking to Steve Cotterell about you know the way he introduced Lafferty, McCann. Uh, I mean, less so J Rod. He gave J Rod his first professional contract, but he was gone a couple of months later. So the way Owen Coyle sort of drip fed Jay in, then he went out on loan, and then he you know he got to the stage where you couldn't keep him out of the team, but. Yeah, I mean, I say Collie Osho, they played him until he broke. Odebert now, you know, he needs taking out of the side, doesn't he? You know, he, you know, he can't keep playing the 19, 20-year-old week after week after week after week. You know, especially not at this level under this scrutiny. I mean, one of the things people are sort of turning to for a little bit of comfort, perhaps, um, is, well, it'll be better in the Championship. It was more fun last year. Well, it's always more fun when you're winning, isn't it? But it'll be more fun. It'll be more fun in the championship. It's better there, and uh, and and we'll piss it. We're gonna we're gonna come storming back up, and Vincent will have learned all the lessons from this time around, and we won't make the same mistakes again. Um, but against that, there's a certain reality with the club and its financial situation, which is the reason why you know Nick Pope and Dwight McNeil don't still play for Burnley, isn't it? Um, what do we expect from? from this situation, like now looking ahead in the big picture, you know, we're down, basically, unless anyone's going to uh, disagree with that. But, you know, we're down. So do, do we do we expect that this this will be the side in the Championship next year or do we expect a fire sale or a load of tinkering or what? Justin, what do you, what do you think's on the horizon? For this club? I don't know. It's difficult to... Without knowing the ins and outs of the contracts, it's very difficult to know how it's going to pan out. You talk about a fire sale, but um, where are these players going to go if we do sell them? I mean, we, we touched on this a little bit last week, didn't we? If we do go down, we we don't have we don't have the 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 players who are going to attract massive transfer fees like like we did when we went down last time. We don't have those, you know, twenty five million pound players, do we? I can't. Is there anybody in there who's who's got that that potential? Um, a lot of the players, as I said last week, you know, all the all this the young players that we've signed this season have proved this season is they're not ready for the for the Premier League. That's all they've proved. So who's? I mean, maybe maybe Sander Berger. I think is probably the only one I can think of off the top of my head who's enhanced his reputation rather than diminished it over the course of this season. I, I would expect him to stay in the Premier League, but he's not going to be a twenty-five million pound player, is he? Um, no, who's no. going who, to who's going to splash the cash on 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 Colliosho or you know uh, Odebert? They've like I say, they, they they look like they're going to be good players, but they're not there yet, are they? And, and I suppose somebody would take a gamble on the on the on the potential, but are they going to are they going to pay what what we paid for those players? I mean. And the thoughts also turn to players like Trezor. I mean, we we are we still down to splash eighteen million on him at the end of the season? If he or, or if we go down, does is the 
we don't know the ins and outs of the contract, do we? But I, I, I would expect most of them to stay. I don't. I think. Um, I think it would be. Well, I mean, I, I said this last at the end of last season. I don't know whether we can expect a massive uh, transition of players in and out like we did over the last two summers. Um, that would seem really, really sort of foolish to me. A good, a good, solid season in the championship for a lot of these players would do them a lot of good. But like you say, Simon, it's like there are no guarantees. It's a tough, it's a tough division to to get out of. Um, you know, there are, and there will be other teams who who who, who, are, who are you know just as well positioned as we are. So there's no, there's no, never any guarantees about anything. And then where does where where do the finances take us at the end of that season. There's a real sense, I think, and I think this is where the real frustration goes, that we've missed the opportunity. You know, mm-hmm. we, we did that 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 sort of collection of players that we loved to watch last season. There were some gems in there. You know, I I, I remember saying to somebody, you know, we paid, you know, we the, these players were like three million or some somewhere around that sort of yeah. uh, that mark. Uh, and I said, as soon as we get promoted. Um, Anna Saruri is worth 20 million of anybody's money. And we've just ruined that career. We've just ruined that 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 potential that we had to capitalize on that by just casting these players aside. And I, it, it's baffling to me why that's happened. It's just totally baffling. We all those players that we that we signed, not many of them are now worth what they might have been had had the sort of progress that we 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 begin to establish continued. Yeah, no, it's. I mean, how much is Zorori worth? If he, you know, if he doesn't, even, it's not apparently not going very well for him at Hull. He's probably dejected, isn't he? You know, he's mm. been he's been a, moved to from Burnley to Hull. He's probably not very happy about it. Shunted out. His Premier League dream is 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 over for now. Um, mm. If it doesn't go well for him at Hull City, somebody's looking at his his career trajectory and saying, well. Young lad from Belgium came over, did all right for a year in Championship. Didn't make it in Premier League. Went to Hull, didn't do much there. Mm. You're not spending twenty million on that. No, you're not. I mean, no. Woody, Woody, with the owners we've got, though. I mean, do we know? I mean, we're suspicious in a, to a degree of what they might do in the summer. You don't know the financial situation because there isn't much transparency there. I mean. What what do you what do you expect from from Pace and Co? Are they going to look at this and go like right, Vincent, go again, or what? Do you, what do you think their mentality is going to be? Well, I don't know. I mean, it kind of depends if we look back on what they owed from last year in terms of loans. Well, what then carries over to this year in terms of what they owe, and do they still have to find that uh, level of finance to be able to pay back? And if that's the case then we don't have the so-called playing resources like we've just spoken about in order to make that shortfall. So that shortfall could arguably be slightly bigger this next time around. We're going to have to do the loan thing again because obviously that's now the Duriger way of trying to promote oneself, get three or four loanees in, and they do the best part of your donkey work for a season and then you don't sign them and then you've got to find somebody else all over again that next new season so we don't know we don't know how much money we all need to pay back etc what we'll get back off various players and then how much we have to rebuild and that's a that's not necessarily what i call a, a a surefire recipe for coming straight back up from the championship you know next year not by any stretch 
Yeah, and a reminder that these loans and the whole financial situation, they're secured against uh, Turf Moor and the training ground. Just mentioned that. We don't need to go into all that, but just, just worth bearing that in mind when we talk about wasting 100 million in the transfer market. Uh, let's talk about a few things that happened off the field, though. Um, those of us who weren't uh, there at Turf Moor missed, missed the joys of the halftime show. Um, and we had apparently away fans in home sections again and, and a new security regime. Greavesy, well, Greavesy, Justin, you tell us about what it was like. That yeah, side of mm. yeah we, we got searched. Oh, well, it's kind of selective lines were being searched. Um, you know, and it's the typical kind of pat down, blah, blah, blah. And I asked what we were being searched for and the, uh, the, the steward uh, said uh, weapons and drugs. Now, I, I had to chuckle a little bit because the bloke two in front of me was about 78 and he also got the old pat down treatment. And I'm kind of thinking to myself, it's kind of like, and it was, only, it was only blokes who were being patted down. I know there's, you know, protocols around, you know, female stewards having search, you know, women, et cetera, et cetera, women mm. and girls. But it just, everything about it yesterday felt like it's just a bit shit. You know, everything's just a bit shit. The drop it like it hot has to be the worst hot <laughs> You're going to have to explain what it is. You're going to have to explain to people because yeah. you don't see it on TV. Do you? No. It's just... So what drop it like it hot essentially is, um, have you, if you've ever seen The Wall with Danny Dyer, where the you've got to kind of put, a, put a, a coin in at the top and it goes into one of the things at the bottom. It goes into like one of a number of different slots at the bottom. It's kind of like a really old-fashioned kind of fairground game, I guess. And they, they added a bit of extra kind of jeopardy yesterday. So the person, uh, they picked three people at random from the app, and then you've got to score a penalty against Bella B. Now, Bella, it already sounds terrible, doesn't it? Yeah. <laughs> I'll, I'll say now, Bella B is a worse goalkeeper than James Trafford. She is garbage. <laughs> I, I don't want to be too critical. You know, young lass making her way in the game, etc., etc. There's a player in there. You get two, you, you get two chances there. as well. You get you get two yeah. chances to, well, to, to beat her. Yeah, and you say there's a player in there. I'm, I'm half expecting that the players who we don't see are dressed up as Bertie and Bella. So I think Bertie and Bella, yes, they were. Mike, Mike, goal, really. Mike Trezor and... Uh, Masengo can't get his hair inside that outfit, though. <laughs> and then anyway so you get your chance you then put a coin in but the part of the problem yesterday was because it was absolutely chucking it down the coin wouldn't move so we had the kind of we had the <laughs> slot number six was the star prize so we basically had the contestants trying to move the, move coin, the coin down into and they all hit number six obviously so one of them walked away with a signed Burnley shirt and two walked away with 150 quid on a prepaid Uphold yeah. Visa card. The, the first guy got the the the, the shine shirt. I'm sure he must have gone back and said, "Can I have the 150 quid?" Exactly. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that Bring was pie and chips. Yeah, that was an absolute shit show. Uh, what else did you mention? Yeah, home uh, away fans in the in the home ends again. Apparently not near me this time, which I was quite pleased about. But but yeah, massive queues outside turf because of this new search regime, and it's just. What drugs do they expect to find in the Bob Lord stand, though? Yeah. Well, I don't know if you were searching in the You're Bob Lord stand. Yeah. I, I, I was in the North. Yeah. Yeah. I, mean, I imagine kind of the cricket field, from what I read on message boards, is the place where you would You'd have the pyro dogs and, and drugs dogs. Now, there is drugs and pyro dogs that, that are around, and they are kind of just 
you know, sniffing around at random. But yeah, our friend, uh, and we can't call him Bobby. Anymore. No, 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 off, don't we? So, um, so but again, Robert. it's just everything about it's just a bit wank. Well, you, can, you ask yourself the question, don't you? How can we enhance the fan experience? I know what we'll do. We'll frisk everybody before they go in. Well, I, I mean... Check I, that I've, tartan that, rug. <laughs> <laughs> that's never, ever happened to me going into Turf Moor before. And I, 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 there was no sort of explanation. There was no sort of, you know, the communication lines are always open, aren't they? The club could have put out a tweet saying, look, this is what we're going to do on Saturday's game and this is why we're going to do it because you know there may be very very good reasons for it but how would we know if they don't tell us so you turn up and you and you're thinking what I've got to be patted down by some sort of you know they look like work experience people who've been given jackets that don't quite fit them <laughs> properly and they said, enjoy the game to me as I, as I uh, passed the test. And I was like, yeah, I'm not <laughs> I didn't see a, I didn't see a chance of that happening. Yeah. <laughs> I did see a tweet saying that the, the, the dog, or dog or dogs, whatever insert were applicable, would be at the ground yesterday. But you know, no, no oh, right. real explanation as to why suddenly they feel that's ne- you know, necessary. Oh. No. Mm, no. Well, yeah. Woody, did you see we had, we had our own uh, little experience of fan experience from Burnley over here in the states? Did you did you catch the? Uh, no, the I mi- I missed that, and I never right. saw it again. They kept Very like weird. advertising for a Premier League experience, but then denied it was actually anything to do with Burnley. Because why the fuck would anybody want to go to Burnley after watching that? You know. Anyway, yeah, it was before on. the game. A little like it wasn't totally an advert. It was like a little segment just. Pre-recorded with JJ Watt and Keelia Watt appearing and saying, "Hi, this is JJ and Keelia. Uh, special competition, trip to the turf, all expenses paid, flight, um, throwing in a meet and greet or a dinner with JJ Watt and and Keelia Watt, um, and experience, you know, turf more." Uh, and then it go, it said, you know, click on this QR code that appeared on screen for details, which I tried to do. Uh, might be me being useless, but the QR code didn't work for me. Apparently, an email did go out to some some registered American fans, but um, there was no information anywhere, nothing about this competition that they'd gone to the trouble of promoting on NBC, nothing about it on the club website, nothing on Twitter, nothing on JJ Watt's Twitter feed, which has gone strangely quiet since the Super Bowl. It's seven days. He normally does a little breakfast sort of post before the game, but... Nothing about that. I mean, he must have run out of Benny and Hot or something. But, I think, uh, to be fair to I think he's celebrating his wedding anniversary. I did notice something about his wedding anniversary. For seven days? Yeah. Well, <laughs> good, good, man. When you've, got, when you've got all that cash, you can do, can't you? Yeah, you know, he's exactly. kind of... Uh, but uh, I wonder yeah, but if... At least Malcolm's, the Malcolm's here anyway. Malcolm yeah. was it, wasn't it? Maybe he won it. Maybe he won it. <laughs> <laughs> Maybe he won it with Benny and Hot. I don't know. Poor bugger. Yeah. Yeah, well, anyway, um, we'll see We'll see if any Clarets uh, make that trip over with that can, competition prize. Can I just come back on something there, Sam? I, mean, I, I, I have to admit, I never read the email that they send me from the football club the day before the game that asks me if I am ready. I'm more concerned about wh- whether they're ready or not, to be honest with you. <laughs> but it goes, it, I, I, I've just, I've just, um, <laughs> I've just dug the email that they sent me uh, on uh, on Friday out, and it does say, "Don't miss kickoff." 
Um, the club wished to remind supporters of the ongoing roadworks in and around Burnley, and that has been going on for a long time, hasn't it? But the next sentence is, we have introduced new search measures around the club on match days, therefore it may take longer to enter the stadium. So there was a warning that I didn't see, but it doesn't explain why those new search measures are in place or what they are. So to be fair to them, there is a little bit of a warning there. There we go, correcting the record. I'm beginning to think that the turf to town that's causing all the issues on York oh. Street is part of the the pro the project. Of the <laughs> I mean, it's, it's the same level of competency as the recruitment. So I'm, I'm I've got visions of Bobby Ball being in charge of the, uh, the sorry, Sir Robert of Ballshire um, being, uh, being in charge of the roadworks on Yorkshire Street outside the Royal Dice because it is a shambles. I mean, it was meant to be done for the start of the season. Uh, but again, perhaps they didn't mention which season it was going to be ready by. But um, <laughs> yeah, the whole experience at the minute, and we've said this a few times, the whole experience at the minute is just a bit, it becomes a drain, doesn't it? I mean, you were talking, Simon, to Tony Scholes, you know, listeners will know, know Tony and know kind of how passionate he is. And he said on the, on the Clarets, on his match report, that he is, he just didn't feel anything when that first goal went in. He said, He's made a point in his match report saying, yeah. I never thought I would feel like that. Mm. No, I mean, when Justin said on here, after I did a sort of long ramble about this team not being very likeable or whatever, and Justin came out with this phrase about it doesn't feel like Burnley anymore. I've seen a lot of people coming out with that over the last uh, last hour, uh, day or so. It does feel, mm-hmm. like, does feel like something sort of broke a little bit yesterday. I don't know. It was, the, the bond has been strained this year, hasn't it? You know that bond between fans. Yeah, I think that is true. I think I think you can feel it in the ground that there's a bit of lethargy about it. There's more. There's a lot of sort of sitting back with arms folded rather than getting angry when the goals go in. I, I, I felt like that, and I. I it's funny you say that because I do feel a little bit like I, I'm finding it very very difficult to care too much. Um, I don't know whether it's because the more invested you get, the more it hurts. But I do feel like there's a sense of that in 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 the ground. I don't know whether it don't feel like Burnley anymore is quite the way to put it because I think this is something that happens. This is happening to all Premier League sides, isn't it? The the I mean the the foreign ownership, the global the global reach of the league. It's like every Premier League club now is just sort of a another Premier League side that just happens to be in you know whatever t- whatever town or or city it's in the the big ones retain the identity but but clubs like ours are you know I, I'm I'm I think I think I was quite critical of the way that Manchester City <laughs> set up their pre-match entertainment uh you know I I, I didn't enjoy that. And I sort of feel like when I go to Surf Moor now, particularly the night games, it's sort of a mini version of that a little bit. It's sort of like, and I don't know who it's aimed at. It's not aimed at me, obviously. I, I say that a lot, don't I? It's not aimed at me. <laughs> but um, I don't know I don't know quite who it's aimed at. It must be aimed at like, a, a, a you know, people to, trying to attract other people to, to watch this stuff. And it just, it does feel like it's happening everywhere that all these teams are becoming just like, Premier League franchises, rather than you know retaining that sort of core identity. I mean, I'm not I'm not one of these people who doesn't want to see Burnley try and you know reach other markets all over the world. I definitely do want that to happen. That's the only way you can survive in this in this world, isn't it? But 
just feel like you know the, you can't look over what's what's around. You know, Burnley Football Club is a community asset. I've said that many times that has got to exist in service of the of the town of Burnley and the people of Burnley beyond you know beyond anything else. Sure, you know, keep keep pushing out, keep keep reaching out to those new markets, but don't take your eye off the ball with the people who really count, the people who will be there long after, you know, who, who said Pace and his cronies? Long after Pace and his cronies have gone, those people will still be there and still be paying the money to go and watch the team. So we must look after them as much as anybody else. Yeah, just in, Justin said the pre-match entertainment's not for him. I'm getting to the point where I don't think the football's for me. <laughs> I, I, I don't know who the football's for, but it's it's not what I ordered. Christ, it's not what Chris, I ordered. Chris, you, I mean, you had more dealings with the club as a club, as an institution, than any of us on this. How do you feel like that connection is between the fans and and, and the club? Well, I mean, there's few people have sort of regarded sort of any comments I've made as being bitter that you know because I, I you know we didn't have much you know much in the way of dealings with uh, Mr Pace once he took over I mean the local press had one sit down with him in 18 months but it's, it's not me being bitter I couldn't give a you know if you don't want to speak that's fine it's fine I'm not going to lose me lose my mind over it but it's yeah it's gone from again you know you see on sort of social media and message boards about oh it's it's all a click this that and the other and yeah, it was just there's people who worked there a hell of a long time who cared a hell of a lot about that football club who aren't there anymore, and they were doing a perfectly good job that the club had been in the Premier League for eight years out of ten. Yeah, that's like Justin said. We, we know you, you. You want to branch out and explore, you know, different markets and you know try and you know reach out and acquire new fans. But but likewise, I, I used to put in the paper from uh, New York Clarets they used to send me little little bits and pieces about little meetings they'd had and you know well we're coming over for this game and this that and the other you know there was always Burnley fans in various points of the globe I mean there's always been a feature in the programme haven't there you know, people getting the you know getting a photograph in wherever they are with their Burnley shirts on they're not all from Burnley you know it's uh, it, 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 it has lost that sort of feel that local feel and it's it, that's it I think they've thrown you know you know thrown thrown the baby out with a bathwater a little it's probably too much change in too short a time and it's been the same on the field as well you know it, it, you can speak about loyalty and you know Sean was maybe too loyal sometimes you know to, to certain players you know it drove some fans to uh, to despair, I would stick with some players, you know, when they weren't performing well. And uh, but this this has gone too far the other way, probably. It's uh, no, it's, it, it, it it'll always be our football club. It'll always be Burnley Football Club. But at the moment, there are a lot of people feeling a little disenfranchised. Yeah, I think so. Uh, I think that's well put, Chris. And I think we'll we'll leave it on that note. We've covered a lot of ground there. We'll be back on uh, Thursday with uh, another episode and uh, look forward to that. And uh, in the meantime, please do follow us on social media and uh, give us a review or a like wherever you find us. And don't forget our, uh, our shop with our range of uh, stunning T-shirts. 
with apt slogans, including 99% Misery, which should be the official <laughs> T-shirt of this episode. So have a good one. See you soon. Cheers.